anyone heard of Archduke Rudolph? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, what about Ferdinand Kinski? Surely Ferdinand. And have a good look. No. <laughs> Joseph Lobkowitz, come on. <laughs> Joe! <laughs> no? Lobo, yeah, to his really good mates. Exactly. See, Josh knows. Uh, put you out of your misery. They, uh, they were three benefactors of a certain German muso. Uh, they approached this uh, obscure, poor... Muso one day and said, how about you write music for the next 25 years and we'll pay all your bills. Would that be okay? And uh, the Muso said, yeah, I think that'd be okay. <laughs> You've heard that, come on. <laughs> Beethoven. These three guys saw talent in him and said, the world has to know that music. So you do nothing but write. Would that be okay? And their impact on world music is incredible. The miracle of Ludwig van Beethoven was possible because of Archduke Rudolf, Lobkowitz, Bobo, and uh, so on. Few have, few have ever heard of them, as we just demonstrated in this elite crowd. But you've all experienced their impact on the world. And I tell you that, obviously, because I think of the Philippian church as the great partners of the Apostle Paul's gospel. In some ways, financially responsible for allowing the beautiful tune of the gospel to be heard throughout the world. They were lifelong partners with Paul. Uh, Unusually, in the book of Acts, uh, the Philippians opened their homes to Paul, Silas and Luke. We can read this in Acts 16. You've, You've got to wait till the very end of Paul's third missionary journey to get another example of any hospitality that Paul accepts. He often refuses. But he accepts the hospitality of the Philippians. And from that day, in about 50, 51, to the year 60, 62, there's debate, when he writes this letter, they have been partners, benefactors, for 10 or more years. Uh, By the time Paul writes this letter, um, he's been in prison for a little while, right? Um, Many scholars think he's in prison in Rome, when he writes this letter, but I have read widely enough on Twitter to know that Mike Bird disagrees. <laughs> Is Mike here today? No. So it's Rome that he writes this letter from. <laughs> and as soon as they hear that Paul is in jail their first thought is we've got to do something, we've been doing something for ten years let's keep doing it and they dispatch Epaphroditus 
one of their revered workers is actually called Apostolos, an apostle, sends him to Rome or Ephesus or Caesarea Maritima uh, to Paul with a great big bag of goodies. You know this, yeah? That um, is just further material support for the work of the gospel. Imagine how Paul felt that day. And knock at the door under house arrest and it's his beloved Philippian Epaphroditus and some other buddies with this giant gift. Well, we don't have to imagine because we have Philippians. Because Philippians is what he wrote in direct response to their gifts. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. It's interesting that he includes Timothy as the co-author. I know we refer uh, to this as the Pauline letter, to Philippi, but it's actually Paul and Timothy's letter to Philippi, if we're being strict. I suspect that Paul is trying to amp up the authority of Timothy, because we learn in chapter uh, 2, verse 19, that Paul's about to send Timothy to them. So maybe having him as co-author amps him up. That's, that's kind of nice. Uh, it's also interesting, it's the only Pauline letter, although Anthea may correct me, uh, the only Pauline letter I can think of where both the church and the overseers of the church are addressed in the opening prescript. Because that's what it says, right? It's, it's to the saints of Philippi and to the overseers and deacons. Huh. Uh, many people think this is a deliberate thing because over in chapter 4, verse 2, as you know, Paul will actually name some of the leaders as having problems with each other. You know this bit, right? You owe your in Syntyche. They're called uh, synergoi, uh, co-workers of Paul, so they're actual gospel workers, and they're, I don't know, they're not just not going, getting on so well, and Paul names them there, so people think that's why he says overseers and deacons at the front of the letter. Um, actually, I think there might be another reason, and I don't disagree with that, but perhaps it's also because overseers and deacons were no doubt in charge of the financial partnership between the church and Paul, which he mentions immediately in the letter in what's called the thanksgiving, those opening verses from verse 3. I thank my God. Paul often does this. starts with a thanksgiving. Every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. You can hear the joy, can't you? I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's letters often open with a thanksgiving, but this is the only one I know that uh, says, I I am thankful uh, before God because of your contribution to gospel work. He'll often say, because you're filled with all knowledge, or you have every kind of gift. I mean, he even does it with the Corinthians. There's a lesson for pastors there, right? Even the Corinthians, Paul starts by saying, I thank God that you're filled with every rich gift. When you consider what he's about to whack them across the head with in the rest of the letter, he nonetheless can, can say, I, I really thank God for you. But here, the thing, the thing that's striking is the thing that causes joy in Paul before God is their mission commitment, what he calls koinonia esto euangelion. Paul isn't just talking about shared belief in the gospel when he says, I, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Um, Paul has other ways of saying because you share my belief in the gospel. No, the the words that he uses here refer to their venture partnership, their koinonia. This word koinonia, frequently in the Greek language, has business venture 
uh, in mind. Very, very frequently it's business venture. And I think that's the vibe here. Not just from the word, but when we get to the back of the letter, come with me to chapter 4, verse 14, um, uh, toward the end of the letter, um, almost like an inclusio, uh, you know, a top and tail, um, Paul uses the word partner. It's, it's translated share here, but it's exactly uh, the same root word used at the front of the letter. And it's clearly about their financial gifts that he's just received. Look what he says, 4.14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Share is partner. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, back in 50.51, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared, coin-owned, partnered with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Ah, clearly money is involved here. Except you only. You Philippians are the only ones who have who have done this financial koinonia eistoyuengelion with me. Except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, I desire what will be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I believe this unlocks the rest of the thanksgiving. Once we spot that partnership in the gospel from the first day till now means you're financially supporting my gospel work from the year 51 to the year 62, um, I think we can then read the rest of Thanksgiving along the same line. So let's check out verse 6, back in chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Again, the good work is not simply their salvation in Christ. He is referring to their koinonia estoi yemengolion, the the good work of their gospel partnership. Which is interesting, because what in the previous verse, he happily described as their partnership, he now says is God's work. Which is very Pauline. Very Augustinian. Very true. That is, it's God who works in you, To do his will. Yeah? He'll also say that later in Philippians. Verse 7 continues the same theme. It's all still about this partnership. And verse 7 uses the partner word again. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you. This joy in your partnership for the gospel. Since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. You all what? Yes, koinon. You all share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, I hate to ever remove God from the Bible, but God is not there in verse 7. It literally says, all of you are partnering with me in the grace. Okay? Those of you who are in second year Greek, this is an anaphoric article. Meaning, this grace I'm talking about. This grace of giving. Okay? Now, here's a, here's a well-kept secret. Paul very happily calls gifts, financial gifts, grace. Come with me to an awesome passage where this is repeatedly so. 2 Corinthians 8. Anthea's already there. She already <laughs> spotted the connection. She's gone straight there. Love it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Keep a finger back in Philippians because we're not going to leave it for too long. 
And watch the this grace language referring to money. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-7. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about what? The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So the grace that he's talking about is the grace of giving. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of what? Sharing, partnering is exactly the same word, in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the, to the Lord, uh, then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had, made an early, uh, had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this... It says act of grace. It just simply says this grace. This grace on your part, meaning money. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, you come back to the Thanksgiving of Philippians, and he says, the thing I'm most joyful before God about you guys is your partnership in the gospel. This 10-year, now 12-year grace on your part toward me. Which God started in you, but it's your partnership as well. The lesson that I take from this extraordinary language, from this partnership language, is that in Paul's mind, while we don't all do the same thing in advancing the gospel, we are all partners in the gospel. And the partner language seems to be deliberately trying to amp the Philippians up to his own apostolic level. Maybe you're not out preaching the gospel like I am, but you're supporting my preaching of the gospel. So you are. You are. Giving to the gospel is not second string secular necessity. It is actually as if you were knocking on the door of your neighbour and preaching the gospel to them. Because it is koinonia esto euangelion, and it is a grace. It's a point made beautifully by the greatest preacher of the ancient church. Who was that? Thank you, Chrysostom. In his sermon on Philippians 1, in his sermon directly on this very passage, here's what the golden mouth, is what they call him, said. Great is that which Paul here testifies about the Philippians And very great. Indeed, it is what one might have testified about apostles or evangelists. You Philippians did not, because you were entrusted with one city, he says, care only for that city, but you leave nothing undone to be partners in my labours, being everywhere at hand with me, working with me, taking part in my preaching. Through their gifts. We mustn't think, and we mustn't convey to the people in our care that their giving to the gospel is secondary, that their prayers for the gospel are secondary, that their life for the gospel is secondary. No, just as Archduke Rudolph and his buddies were responsible for the world hearing Beethoven, Anyone who is generous to the gospel is responsible for the world hearing the gospel. They're partners. 
I've learnt this many times in my ministry as a, as a local pastor now as a whatever I am now uh, <laughs> I mean I have the lovely uh, ongoing you know payment here from Ridley but you know I, I, I'm supported in my ministry from, from people who are just generously uh, keeping me uh, afloat as it were but I first learnt this years ago when I was in a band um, and uh, we, we used to preach and sing in this band and we were up in Northern Territory doing a, a month long mission uh, in schools and unis and the prisons up there and also the Aboriginal communities, it was awesome but uh, about five days later we had to be in Melbourne where we had eight weeks of schools ministry booked, we, were, we would play in a school and preach, play and preach Tons of people would become Christians in those days through, through what we're doing. And we are ripping down the Stewart Highway to, Mel- to get to Melbourne. 100 kilometres north of Coober the engine blew up on the truck. Unbelievable. It, it was just complete meltdown. And the other guy, you know, we, I was in the bus, but we, you know, we passed the truck. It's devastating. We ring the manager. We, we pulled into Cooper Pedy, ring the manager up in Sydney and say, we've got a problem. He was furious. We arranged to get the truck hauled immediately down to Adelaide, but we had no money. We're very poor at this, at this point. And so we thought we had to cancel at least a couple of weeks of Melbourne before we could find the money because we need a brand new engine, we need to pay the haulage fees, we need a mechanic, etc, etc. The next morning, after a very interesting night, all the band members and their wives in one hotel room in Cooper Pedy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's frequently mentioned by my wife to this day. We got a call from our, uh, our manager saying, a buddy of his, this guy, I won't call him Archduke Rudolph. <laughs> His name is Cam. When he heard what happened, on the spot he transferred a thousands and thousands of dollars to us. We didn't miss a beat. We got a brand new engine, put in in Adelaide, bang, we were off to Melbourne. We didn't miss a single concert here in Melbourne. All because of this guy. Now, Cam would be the last person to say he's an evangelist. If you met him, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of, he's a bit sheepish, but beautiful, gentle guy, um, but he had the means to help us, and he helped us. His gift was the means under God of thousands of people in Melbourne hearing the gospel. And I honestly believe from that day on that people supporting the gospel work materially are equal partners with what I do behind a microphone. Absolutely equal partners. When we reach into our wallet and give to the work of the Lord, we are advancing the gospel as if preaching it. That's what partnership in the gospel means. Now this is something for us to remember as poor students. Don't give up the holy, sacred partnership of of money to the work of the gospel. But I also just want to underline... Make sure you convey this to the people you serve in leadership, right? Because many of them have in their head that giving to the work of the gospel is just like a secular necessity. It just has to be done, so we might as well just do it. But but if you can convey to them that when they're doing that, they might as well be preaching the gospel. 
It is that sacred. It is that important. You will inspire them. Partnership. Or as Chrysostom says, when you give money, it's as if you are an apostle or an evangelist. So Lord, help us to be generous whatever our circumstance, to the work of the gospel in the world. Help us to be like those three Beethoven benefactors, except help us, Lord, to take the beautiful tune of the gospel to the ends of the earth, from from Melbourne to beyond. And help us, Lord, to inspire the people around us, the the Ridley donors uh, and the donors in our churches, that they are sacred partners in the work of the gospel. Help us to move them, that they might experience your grace, this grace of giving. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We heard that one. We all stand and together affirm what we believe. On page 171, let's together say...